Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, a podcast about the pandemic and related experiences and life trajectories. My name is Tom. It's April 13th in the year 2022, Homestuck Day, and I am not an expert on, I'm an expert on Homestuck, but I'm not an expert on any other topic that we discuss on this show. Uh, And I'm Rat. I'm also not an expert on COVID, but I've read Homestuck. And I, I guess you'll find it is now spring, I suppose. So there are all the fun signs of the season, such as there are birds chirping. There are like my allergies, seasonal allergies. Ah, uh, yes. And there is homestuck in the air as well. It's true. All of this is true. I had an experience yesterday when I went into the office of coming back and realizing that it was still light out when I was home. And I get home usually by around like 6.15. And I had become accustomed to that being dark. But, you know, as happens every year, the time of sunrise and sunset shifts over the course of the year. Very interesting. Yeah. I envy you your like familiar, the things that are different are the change of season. Um, I'm just started my new job. So I am Mm. in everything is new and different. A stage of that job. How is that going? Um, It's going alarmingly well, if that's a way to describe. My job is essentially a secretary at a middle school, and it's very, I would say, high stress and very chaotic and probably more stressful and more chaotic than the job I left. But it's something I'm, I think, better able to handle. And at least um, kind of my goal is I'm coming in, it's almost the end of the school year. And I'm really just getting to the end of this school year and sort of seeing what happens. But I do feel capable in a way that, you know, in animal care and cage wash, the job I was doing before, I did not always feel capable Mm -hmm. in, in that job. So there's that. That's good. Yeah. In many ways, I'm sort of like a video game NPC in the school job because like, I don't know how often you like interacted with a school attendance secretary, but I interact with like hundreds of students each day, but only for very transactional brief exchanges where it's like, yeah, they come up, they want to pass, they come up, they want, in this case, a Chromebook because all the students have Chromebooks at this school. They want something from me. And <laughs> then our exchange is over. Yeah, that, I guess that that makes sense. That's That tracks with my experience with the administrative staff at my at most of my schools that I went to, actually, yeah. But but you do ha- you do have some amount of contact with the children. That was going to be my my uh, next question. Yes, in many ways, the job I was looking for, <laughs> leaving Cage Wash, this does not fit that. Like I wanted it to be less exposure to COVID than Cage Wash, where I was interacting with maybe a dozen people or less. This is, I'm interacting with hundreds of people or more briefly, but I guess on that, when I first started at the end of March, they still had a masking policy (laughs) at the school. And then the superintendent was like, so we are going to keep our masking policy for a couple of more weeks just to see if other schools that have gotten rid of their masking policy, if uh, COVID cases go up there uh, in their schools. And then, of course, uh, the superintendent decided to get rid of our masking policy. So it is now mask optional Mm. at our school. And 
lo and behold, we are continuing to have COVID cases at the middle school. Yeah. So mask optional is is pretty much how it is in my office as well. And that's been an interesting space to navigate that's been a little bit different from the era of the mask mandate, which I presume is now permanently over and that no one will ever want to have a mask mandate again, which is not the way it should be, in my opinion. I think they should be used when appropriate. But in any case, yeah, I, I often find myself being the only person wearing a mask or one of maybe 10% of people wearing a mask in the various spaces that I you know, walk through or when I visit people or go to meetings and things like that. How are you finding that at your school? I'm not good at math, so I can't tell you the percentage, but I am surprised. We offer disposable masks, not N95 masks, but just like kind of disposable masks for the students. And we still, I think because they ordered so many and it probably took a long time for them to arrive, we are still offering those masks. Mm. And many students wear and and will take those masks. Part of that is because uh, they can use it as an excuse to not be in class if they go down to the office to go get a mask. But I, I am generally surprised at how many students are continuing to wear masks, even as it's not required. And one thing I'm grateful for is before I got to the school, they had their masking policy and it was incorporated into, I guess, the like school discipline and uh, surveillance of the school. They had started a like binder of people who were violating students who were not wearing masks and writing them up for it. Because mm. that that is kind of my least favorite and uh, the moral quandary that may also be why I do not stay in this job of I, I really don't love the part of my job that is writing up students and giving them detentions and contributing to just surveilling students and punishing them. Um, so they've, they've stopped with the masking policy becoming optional. They've stopped criminalizing or punishing students for not wearing masks. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense with the policy, I guess, but... Yeah, I, I find it about as effective as, like, if you are a student and you skip class, you get a lunch detention, which is a punishment, but is not that effective in then getting the student to actually want to go to class. Mm. So I think if like a student is not wearing a mask, you do what you can to get them to wear a mask versus like you punish them and kind of continue down that trend. But again, that is that is the like larger sort of ethical thing I sit with as I am sitting in my desk job. Are you are you paying close attention to case and other data in your area? No, I am not. I at one point was checking the like state COVID app, which has like county and state numbers. But it's not something I'll say like that the school is kind of tracking. If they ever were, they're not doing it now. Mm. And I'm not very um, much following the larger like state and county, uh, those numbers. I, I guess because right now I don't think it will change my behavior that much. But has that been something you are continuing to follow at any level? We've talked about this on the show before, but I have always been mildly obsessed with the U.S. case counts on the New York Times website and tracking that graph and comparing different points on that graph. And in recent weeks, it feels to me like there's been a little bit more, I don't know if fragmentation is the right word, but there's been a little bit more regional difference in how the pandemic is progressing 
in different areas. It's not like it was during the Delta or Omicron peaks where it was like all of a sudden every state in the country was rocketing up and then sliding down. It's more like it was in the sort of in-between times, the between between the Delta and, and Omicron or between the original peak and the Delta peak where things really varied a lot by state. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been much more keyed into Massachusetts in particular. Mm-hmm where cases have been pretty steadily rising over the past, I don't know, I guess over the past month maybe, or at least three weeks. And it feels to me like no one around me is aware of that in terms of like, I've had a couple conversations with people who didn't, who were surprised to hear when I said, yeah, cases are up 50% in the state of Massachusetts since two weeks ago. And they're like, huh, really? I thought they were going down. Mm. I'm like, nope. I mean, they're low enough and, and, and restrictions are continuing to loosen and perhaps more importantly, psychologically, people are continuing to like shake off the notion that like we need to be careful about COVID, which I don't know, it's that you, you learn so much about human psychology going through a pandemic. It, it very much feels like awareness of the statistics is contingent on how you want to behave rather than vice versa. Mm. Like people are like, well, it's time to loosen up, which means cases are going down as opposed to <laughs> cases are going down, which means it's time to loosen up. And I, I'm certainly not immune to that in any area of my life. Uh, like the regular human fallacies and foibles apply to my brain just as well as anyone else's. But in my particular cases, case, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I like to have a, I like to pre-commit in advance to how I will feel given certain levels of case count. Does does that mm. make sense? And have we talked about that? I feel it may have come up before, but that is not how I live my life. Um, so I'm curious, uh, again, to hear you talk about what that means for you. So you want your feelings to be based on the facts. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have my feelings be as close to based on the facts as they can be, mm-hmm. or at least be informed by an awareness of the facts. And so I would like to panic when panic is advisable and not panic when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are so many different COVID-related numbers that it's it's often very difficult to keep track of where we are and how that compares to where we were at various different points. Like people's sense that we're currently in a like a national low point of the pandemic is is not correct because cases right now are about triple what they were at the low point last year, which is something like 10 times that they were the day the, the NBA suspended their season in March of 2020, which was a historical event. Mm. So things are things are far worse now than they were there just in terms of raw case counts alone. And I don't know, just having that in mind helps me maintain a level of perspective or at least helps me what I feel like is a level of perspective. Other people might think that I'm being completely ridiculous in doing that, but um, that's their opinion and that's fine, I suppose. (laughs) But like one of the questions I've been asking myself is like, how will I know when the pandemic is is over? Or even if it's not over, like what is the number of cases that will satisfy me that we are not in a danger zone? Mm -hmm. And having a number, I mean, my number is not informed by science or anything, but it's more informed by my sense that like I would like things to be at least as good as they were in June of 2021. Uh, I'm rambling a bit there. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, it, it it seems very parallel to, I can't remember the specific article, but I know we've mentioned it before, the idea of like in a country where you're finding like rising fascism or authoritarianism, making a list of like your values and things that you feel committed to 
before. Mm. <laughs> and then, like, as you are immersed in political language and, like, doublespeak and sort of seeing the culture around you very quickly change, having something to refer back to that's, like, your metric of, you know, here's what I value and here's what I want to kind of influence my actions. I think that what you're doing is kind of both a scientific kind of thing to do. Um, and also, like, I think probably a good, like, way to keep track of passage of time in the pandemic that, again, I, I am admiring of. Yeah, it's very much related to all those things. I think in some ways it's loosely adapted from some... I've, we've definitely talked about this in the past about, I think, Masha Gessen. They made a, a book about, like, surviving autocracy and, like, their mm -hmm. 10 rules or whatever, which uh, I did not read, but I heard an NPR piece about. But uh, yes. and that, that kind of informs some of how I've thought of the rise of fascism angle, which is related here. Uh, one way of putting it is the boiling frog pr problem. Are you familiar with that? Yes. The notion that people who cook frogs for whatever reasons, I don't, I've never eaten frog, but people who, who do eat frog find that you have to put the frog in the water and then boil it slowly so that it won't notice rather than dunking it into boiling water, in which case it'll immediately hop out. And I don't want to be like slowly boiled into a state where I didn't notice it was coming or vice versa is, is the thing too. Like, so in this case, the, the kind of the number I have in my brain is a nationwide number, which is what I would like to see is for case numbers to go down to less than 10,000 a day mm. on average using the, the average that's used on New York times and staying there for a month, which we're not. We're not there. We're not really close to there. I mean, right now, the daily average on the New York Times for the country is 32,000. And it's been kind of level mm. in the 28 to 35 range. It's been it's been sticking there for about about a month. So not much movement. Yeah, this is unrelated. Well, this is related, but unrelated to the actual topic. <laughs> but when we talked about uh, boiling a frog as a metaphor, I am in real life uh, boiling a chicken right now <laughs> as we speak. Not boiling it alive, though, are you? It was previously delivered to the grocery store, not alive, and <laughs> where I purchased it and, and brought it to my house for the purpose of chicken soup. Did you ever dissect a frog? Did I ever dissect a frog? I have such patchwork memories of my senior year of high school, which is when I took the science class where we would have dissected a frog. Hmm. I think yes. I'm going to say yes. I have no memory of this uh, encounter. Yeah. When I was in ninth grade, I dissected a fetal pig. Ugh. Yeah, that it was it was not an experience that I care to repeat, but that was the only dissection I ever did. I feel like some classmates of mine dissected earthworms. I don't know why I never did that one. Or maybe I did. I don't I just don't remember. But there was definitely no frog dissection. Might have been an AP bio thing for AP bio people, which I didn't take. Yeah, I guess the thing about dissecting frogs is I feel it's so a part of like American culture and like happens on American teenage media that I'm really not sure if I dissected a frog or if I'm just like have that as part of my like that's the high school experience, which in a way like do you really even need to do it if it's part of your uh, cultural experience? Well, that's the thing. Like, did you ever have to parent either an egg or a bag of flour? Nope. I never had to do anything like that, but I'm sure someone did. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that on TV. So true. I had a Neopet. 
Oh, But yes. that's very different than a, a, like, egg or flower that has an actual death state. Neopets have a, like, they look at you very sadly and say that they're dying, but they don't actually die. Yeah, I will never remember my, my Neopet login, yeah. which I got in, I think, like... 2000 maybe or 2000 2001 at the latest um so they're still they're still out there yeah and we've talked about with the death of flash the sad state that neopets is in it's in a sad state yeah arguably sadder than when it was owned by the church of scientology yes so so what what else is up it's been it's been a while since we spoke um i do have i took notes of things i wanted to ask you uh back when we were originally going to record in the middle of march uh, we were originally going to record march 17th according to my notes sounds right so past rat uh wanted to ask future tom wanted to ask you about how your concert was march 15th did you go to a concert March 15th? Yes, I've actually been to two concerts. I, I think I think the March 15th one was probably going to see um, The Swell Season, mm. which is a duo, Glenn and Marqueta, who were the stars of the film Once, okay. the sort of musical film, and then subsequently formed a band and were together both romantically and in a band for a couple of years and then broke up in both senses and are now touring together for the first time in over a decade. That's wild. Yes, yes. I have not seen uh, Once or the musical, but I've heard like the the title song Mm. because my dad likes it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good movie. I think I like the band better than I like the movie itself. Yeah. And and I saw them them perform at Newport Folk Festival in I think 2009 or 2010. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, well, I'm glad I saw this because I'll never have another chance to see it again. Um, And then you do, which is sometimes that happens. Like there was a while when I was wondering if I was ever going to get to see the band Neutral Milk Hotel. And I was like, oh, they're touring now. So I get to see them. So it's always nice to have one of those things where you're like, this is completely lost to time and I'll never get to experience it. But then it, it, uh, it suddenly makes itself available to you. Yeah, that's very true. But I actually also went to see uh, Freestyle Love Supreme, which I guess you'd call a concert. It's also kind of a theatrical performance. Are you familiar with Freestyle Love Supreme? Yes. Um, oh, God. It's a, I'm sure, like, dead streaming site. But at one point, they had recorded some sessions or put that on a streaming site. Yeah, it was like a streaming TV show, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. So I I am familiar. I guess, is it a rotating group of people? Because at the time, I believe it was like the big name, Lin-Manuel Miranda, was on it. Was he like in the performance you saw? He's not in the touring company. The touring company is, it's a few different people that, that rotate in and out. Nice. But yeah, it was, it was a very good time. And I'm glad I got to do that. And it made me think that, like, I need to be going to see more concerts and stuff because I was trying to think of what the last concert I saw before that was. And I think it might have been the summer of 2019. I saw Carly Rae Jepsen in New York City. And I was like, you know, back when concert going was possible, I was taking it for granted and not not doing it enough. So... I don't know. This is something I'd like to I'd like to start doing more, especially now that I live much closer to Boston, where there are a lot of shows and I am just a a train ride away and can fairly easily, you know, go into town and come back of an evening. I have uh, since we last spoke also attended at least one concert. Nice. And plan and plan to do more. (laughs) 
What was the concert you attended and what was the one you planned to attend? So the one I attended was I had a friend come up to visit me in Pittsburgh and uh, we went to, it was a like kind of charity fundraising concert. They had student performers from the like theater nonprofit that they were raising money for. Nice. Okay. So they had like Norm Lewis there as a guest performer and that's like the big poll obviously like that is why I made my friend come with me to see it but I was like surprisingly emotional at sort of seeing and I did not know that there would be like student performers actually doing the concert as well because again with the pandemic it has been a couple years since I have seen like local school theater productions and I didn't realize how much I missed seeing those they did They did not have a good masking Mm. situation going on. And in a kind of way that um, the opening number of this concert performance, no one in the audience is wearing a mask except for me, my friend, and maybe two or three other people in like this auditorium. The student performers come on stage and all of them are wearing these red sequined masks and they're singing. Um, And the audio is surprisingly strong for they are singing through masks. And then I can't remember the song they are singing, but after their first verse, the two like soloists like rip off their masks and then the ensemble like follows in in turn. And then I was worried you were going to say that. They proceed proceed to nobody wears masks for the rest of the concert. So it was kind of like that's so typical theater <laughs> approach. Like it was very much symbolic of, wow, aren't we glad <laughs> that that's done with kind of a message. So I was not a fan of that. But the concert that I am also dragging friends to is the high school that is attached to the middle school that I now work at is performing Shrek the Musical. Mm. So I uh, will be attending. I'm kind of a Shrek the Musical super fan. Yeah, I know this about you. I will be attending some performances. Do you feel that you have high standards for Shrek the Musical or are you just happy to see it performed? I have high standards. I'm happy to see it performed. I will be very critical (laughs) of the performance. That's good. I did speak to, um, because there there is like some overlap between uh, cast and the middle school and high school. I did speak to the mother of the child who was playing Pinocchio, who goes to the middle school uh, and congratulated her on her performing child. Pinocchio is one of the ensemble of the sort of like ragtag, far, far away fairy tale characters in Shrek. Well, that sounds that sounds fun. And and that's been one of the, I guess, highlights of starting the new job is that I do feel a lot more connected to a local community than I have for the almost year I've been in Pittsburgh because I really only talk to like my housemates and my coworkers and now sort of my pool of coworkers is a much larger group of people. Yeah, that's that's something that I I often regret that I am not more connected to my local community in general and it's something that I intend to do things about but I haven't really done things about it. One of my goals for the year 2022 was to become more involved in the local community. That's not a very good goal because it's not very specific or measurable, but (laughs) it is on there awaiting further specification. It's on my list. It's right there at the bottom. Do you want to speak about action items? Yeah, I do. 
I'm pulling up the part of the Word document where I wrote down those action items. I think I remember them if there were two. Okay. I had three, but I think maybe the continue wearing a mask action item might have just been a like one that was left there Mm. as an ongoing uh, action item. I'll let you read them then because it sounds like (laughs) I, I may not have been good at organizing my notes. Well, I don't have the notes. I just think I remember them. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll confirm. I believe one of them was to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? Okay. Okay. We're back. Okay. Yes. I have treat yourself to the dentist and <laughs> to right. create a character in a tabletop RPG, even if you don't intend to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do either of these things? I made a failed, yeah, I made a failed attempt at going to the dentist and then my insurance wouldn't cover it. So I didn't go to the dentist. And I also made a failed attempt to create a tabletop RPG character. So that's zero for zero. Well, you zero for two. An attempt was made for both, which is better than I did on either. However, let's let's create tabletop RPG characters right now. OK. Oh, OK. <laughs> I have Lasers and Feelings open. Oh, okay. Have you ever played Lasers and Feelings? No. Um, see, I was going to say, the failed attempt I made, I purchased um, a cyberpunk tabletop RPG, like, handbook. The game Cyberpunk or just a cyberpunk game? Because there's a game called Cyberpunk, but... Oh, n- no. This one's called Neon Saber. Oh, cool. Um, it's something that a acquaintance of mine uh, worked on, and that's how I heard about it. Nice. But, no, I'm not familiar with... Um, the tabletop game you have mentioned, but I'll make a character. Lasers and Feelings is a one-page RPG, loosely inspired by Star Trek. Okay. And there are four steps for creating a character. The first one is choose a style. Do you you have something to write with? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The first one is choose a style for your character. Alien, android, dangerous, heroic, hotshot, intrepid, or savvy. Do you want me to read those again? Uh, No, because because I've chosen mine. Is it a secret or should I No, let's let's say tell it. Tell you. It's okay, it's Android. Okay, I'm dangerous. Okay, choose a role for your character from the following list. Doctor, envoy, engineer, explorer, pilot, scientist, or soldier. Okay, I've chosen mine. What is it? Scientist. Okay, I'm a dangerous doctor. Uh choose your number from 2 to 5. A high number means you're better at lasers, technology, science, cold rationality, calm, precise action. A low number means you're better at feelings, intuition, diplomacy, seduction, wild, passionate action. I've chosen the number two. I've also chosen the number two. This is a a feeling. We have feelings. Yeah, we are both very emotional, non-technical people in STEM fields. Yes. (laughs) And then part four is give your character a cool space adventure name, like Sparks McGee or something. Um, Okay, my character's name is Jin Jin Changeable. Jin Changeable, okay. Dr. Jin Jin Changeable. <laughs> of course. My character's name is Razzlebot. <laughs> Razzlebot, nice. Okay, we're done. Okay, we did We've it. We've created our characters for this uh, role-playing game. It is a great game if you want to look it up. It's free and it's made by John Harper, who is a game designer. He made Blades in the Dark, which is another great game that is far more complicated than this one. But Lasers and Feelings is one of those games that's like really good if you want something that's like absurdly lightweight and has yeah. it has game mechanics, but they're not complicated and they're incredibly easy to grasp. And it's also like if you want to create your own RPG, it's very easy to hack it into something that's based on it. So it's a neat game. Nice. I will say sort of mindful of any time I say 
something it creates more work for you in the editing (laughs) because when i say something or we talk about a specific tangible article or object you often link to it but i will say i spent ten dollars for the handbook for neon saber and it's um illustrated it i just think i'm not built to create tabletop rpg characters Mm. on on my own but it like has a lot of good stuff in there that I would think that if people are inclined that way, um, it could be very enjoyable. So I, I will I will plug that. Can it be bought on Itch or? Yes, it was an Itchio purchase. Is it the one I'm looking at now? Neon Saber playtest release. $15 yes, made, on Itchio. Yes, um, made by Olivia Miller and it was based on Blades in the Dark. Yeah, so Blades in the Dark was created by... John Harper, who I just mentioned. So nice. yeah, that is great. I will, I will add this uh, link. It's actually very easy for me to add links to the show notes. Basically the podcast provider that we use Fireside has a little extension for your browser that you can just be browsing the web and just click the button and it adds a link to the episode currently in progress. Mm-hmm. So what I will do is I will just listen back to the edit and be like browsing the internet while I listen and occasionally like, oh, I just mentioned this thing. Let me Google it. All right, there it is. Click the button. It's in. So I don't want you to think that I'm putting hours and hours of work into carefully curating a list of links for every uh, episode. It, it takes about as long as it takes to listen to the episode. That, that puts my mind at ease. I'm glad. I'm glad. Do we wish to establish new action items for new actions? Yeah, I'll go ahead and drop an action item. Also, wait, did you not go to the dentist? No, I didn't go to the dentist. I <sighs> Yeah, that's about how I feel. It's on my list of things I need to do. I have, I have a whole bunch of like you know, get my life together things on a list. And that is, that is one of them. Another one is get my uh, car inspected before it expires at the end of the month, you know, uh, get a prescription renewed, et cetera, et cetera. That is on there. And I suppose I'll go eventually. It's just, um, yeah, now I just feel bad about it. Thank you for making me feel bad. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Again, if it helps, I also failed to go to the dentist. So I'm right there with you, but I feel good about it. Okay. Because I, I, I tried. Well, that, that is good. So I, you two can feel good about not going to the dentist as long as you try. Anyway, yeah. New action, action. New, new action. Action pack, new actions. My action item is to make a playlist. Ooh, I love doing that. Yeah. I will, I will gladly do that. Do you have any guidelines or, or, or parameters or anything or just any playlist? Um, I would say any playlist. I personally made the purchase decision of buying 100 blank cd-roms uh so i can make and put a playlist on a cd kind of like a a mixtape mix cd style but i know that is not an option for everybody because cds are not as common a way to make playlists as music streaming sites are so any way you want in in the past year i've completely re um redone my music collection i don't remember whether we've spoken about this on the podcast but (laughs) i i I migrated all to my plex server so yes any further excuse to play with those things is is fun (laughs) for me i actually have two action items i'd like to propose one of them is to experiment with sauce Maybe you want to try buying a new sauce that you don't usually buy or making a new sauce you've never made before okay. or changing up how you use a sauce. Like, oh, I never thought to use this sauce on that food. This seems like an action item designed for both of our RPG characters. Uh, <laughs> yes. They, they would go wild with this. Oh, absolutely. And the other one is to see the film Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I saw a couple days ago and is 
one of my favorite movies of all time now and must be seen. It must be seen. It must be seen. All right. Well, that was a a film that I was already intrigued by and simply debating if I should watch it and tell my parents to watch it with me. Um, So I will I will see it. Hmm. Do your parents like things that are very strange? So that is the th- like that is the thing. It's am I ready to talk to my parents about like the concept of metatextual media? And I don't know if they're ready. Yeah, sometimes I will go home and have dinner with my parents, and then I will pick a movie for us to watch. And I have managed to convince my parents to watch some very strange things, some of which they didn't hate. But this particular movie, I have decided I'm not going to bother uh, trying to subject them to it. Okay. But you you may you may have different luck because you have different parents from the ones I have. That's that's true as far as yes in this universe. Anyhow, um I think that's I think that's about it. So um oh it's not it because one of the things that we do now is we talk about the fact that there's a Twitter account for this show, right? Yes, excellent. Glad you remembered. <laughs> and it's uh SDW underscore pod. That's the Twitter. Yeah, at SDW underscore pod or sdwpod.fireside.fm without the underscore one of them's got an underscore the other one doesn't and if you get it wrong then you are fined uh, an amount not to exceed 100 dollars. yes that's true <laughs> then after we say that one of the other if, things after, that we do <laughs> after we threaten our listeners with a criminal fine um yeah we'll end as we end every episode of this podcast by staying distant and also by going the distance <laughs>